1 Samuel chapter 17, begin reading in verse 49 just to catch, catch the flow of what's happening here. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in, the fo- in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead. And he fell upon his face to the earth. This guy, close to 10 feet tall, wearing 150 pounds of armor that was out there besmirching the God of Israel and Israel for 40 days. Everybody's terrified. This young man goes out with a sling and a stone. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. And there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. They didn't, they didn't honor the promise of being subject to Israel, did they? Well, don't expect unsaved people to honor their promises. Verse 52, And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the, wound, and all, and the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Sharon, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. This morning we'll be looking at the, the idea, subject, arise, shout, and pursue. Arise, shout, and pursue. Now these are very energetic words, aren't they, to the people of God? If I were to, after hearing what we heard from the book of Acts, if I just said nothing else but arise, shout, and pursue, you would say, oh, praise the Lord, let's go do it, <laughs> right? But let's, let's be reminded of a couple of things and, and that the Lord will grant us courage even more after just considering just a few things this morning. You have to remember, in the children of Israel, the men of Israel, who are we talking about here? We're talking about a people. If you go back to chapter one, excuse me, chapter seventeen, verses one, two, and three. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Shoka, which belongeth to Judah. These are a people that had been challenged and challenged on their own home front. Okay, these are a people. You ever been taken off guard and somebody kind of rush you or, or or advance on you? You know, these are people that were they were challenged and they were on their heels. They were on the ropes, you could say. These weren't a people that were out being aggressive and 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 as the Lord had commanded them once they had crossed over Jordan to go out and control that 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 land and go seize it. It's yours, even way back to the promises unto Abraham. These were a people that were being that were being advanced upon and dealing with that. These are a people, verses 4 through 10, that were intimidated. Look at verse 4. And there went out a champion out of the, out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. That talks about all his, his size and you know, he's got a shield bearer and all this stood. And in verse 8, he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out of your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? You're just, you're just a bunch of uh, little nobodies in, in Israel under King Saul, and I'm, I, I'm so much bigger and better than him. Choose ye a man for you and let him come down to me. 
Verse 10, and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. He defied God Almighty. That's right. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were intimidated by this giant. They were dismayed. That means they were shattered or they were broken. Okay. They were afraid. And, not, you know, they, sometimes Layla, and I'm using her as an example a couple times today. Sometimes she tells Jill and I that, that she's afraid and doesn't want to sleep in her own bed. And we can talk to her and she goes back to bed. But then sometimes she's terrified and she's just spending the night with us. Poured out. Terrified. That's where they were. This was not, they were, yes, they were unsettled, but they were terrified before this giant. They were tired. They were weary. Look at verse 16. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening, morning and evening, morning and evening, and presented himself 40 days. You know, there's, a, there's an idea in humanism, self-talk. Right. Talking to yourself in the mirror and and saying, you know, you're good enough. You're smart enough. People like you, you know, that kind of stuff. But what if the person in the mirror is saying you're awful, you're worthless, you're useless, useless, you're nothing. Those types of abuses and that kind of self-talk can really wear a person down. Now, imagine that's coming from the voice of a giant. Right. Someone who is oppressive. It'll wear you down, to say the least. You look over as, as David was, was on his way. Uh, uh, he was leaving out of Jerusalem, and, and Absalom was there in Jerusalem. And there was a man, Shimei, that was running along the hillside, and he was cursing at David. You read that account, and it says that David and his mighty men, by the mouth of that person, we'll call him, by the mouth of that one, he made them weary. So yes, they were tired. They were worn out. They Physically, they, they, they weren't doing anything, but they were worn out. These people were cowards. Verses 23 through 25. Look at them flee. Verses 23 through 25. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion. David talked with them. Behold, there came up the champion, the, Philist, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines. And spake according to the same word, same stuff, morning and evening, morning and evening, day after day, forty days, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. Now, they didn't have, you know, these long sniper rifles that all these people have nowadays. So if there was a man way over there in that field and he was yelling at me, you know, I, at that space... Now, if it was a polar bear, I would think differently. But at that space, I might say, you know what? I got some time to prepare. But if somebody yelling at me from way over there, I might not go hide. But that's how cowardly the men of Israel were. That's how intimidating this giant was. They, they heard and they fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? These people were incorrigible. They were not able to be corrected or reformed. Look in verses 26 and 27. And the people answered him after the same manner. Have you seen this man? Listen to him. Aren't you afraid? Have you seen this man? Saying, so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. 
verse 30. And he returned, and he and he, and he turned from one from him toward another, and spake the same manner. And the people answered him again in the former manner. Every person he talked to, have you haven't you seen this man? Every person he talked, haven't you seen this man? There was one person that eventually went and told King Saul. But everywhere he went, these people could not be corrected. These people could not be encouraged. They could not be established in the Lord. Up until this point, they were spectators. From verse, verses 32 through 52, David, he's getting his armor. And he, he's saying, oh, you know, King Saul, let no man's heart fail him. I'm your man. The Lord did this to the bear and he did this to the lion. He'll do this to the, to, he'll do this to the giant. Send me. I'm, you know, the Lord is with me. I'll go. And he went down there. He slain that stone. He hit that giant. The giant fell and he cut the giant's head off. And up to this point, between those verses, 32 and 52, there is absolute silence from the camp. Of Israel. So what happened? What happened now in our text? When we read verse 52, and the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued, what happened? Something amazing must have happened, huh? Something amazing must have happened. Let's be reminded what happened. Verse 44, And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then, then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines, not just you, but your whole army, this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David. And David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Remember, we caught that last time. He ran to the army, not just the Philistine, but the army and the Philistine. David put his hand in the bag and took the ends of stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in the forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So what happened? What happened? Why did this people that was challenged and intimidated and dismayed and terrified and weary and cowardly and incorrigible and nothing but spectators on the sidelines, why are they now arising and shouting and pursuing? They saw the wonderful work of God. That's what they saw. All the earth, including Israel, David said in verse 46, may know that there is a God in Israel. You know, sometimes... And I speak as a man, sometimes it, I, I lose it in my mind. And I forget when I'm intimidated and dismayed and afraid and weary and cowardly and all these other things, I happen to forget that there is a God in heaven. Can anybody relate to me on that? You ever go through your life and just forget it, 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 that God in heaven, the same God that keeps that big ball of fire in the sky upright? Is the same God that slew that giant? Is the same God 
that declared from the beginning, and it was, the same God in the flesh that died for our sins. Israel evidently had forgotten that there is a God in Israel. They had forgotten. And at the remembrance, when David said again in verse 46, This day will the Lord deliver thee in my hand, and I will smite thee, and I will take thine head from thee, and give the carcass unto the host of the Philistines this day, and the thousands of the year, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. Yes, all the earth. It's going to be, it's going to be told from pole to pole and all around the equator. It's going to be told that there is a God in Israel. But Israel is going to be reminded that there is a God in Israel. Israel is going to be reminded of that. God is to be declared. You know, God, just the name God, Elohim, the divine judges and divine rulers, sometimes we just use the name, the, 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 the word God, and that is, that is who He is. That's what He is. But that's also impersonal. You know? There were people that knew there was a God in Israel. In fact, Whenever, whenever the, the Jews were coming up and they were coming up on Jericho, wasn't Jericho afraid because they knew what the God of Israel did to Egypt? They didn't mean they believed him. They just knew that he was a powerful God. That day, oh, it was going to be noised abroad that there is a God in Israel. But that God in Israel, look at what he says in verse 47. And all this assembly, this group of people behind me, these Jews, this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with spear or with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Mark that word saveth. This assembly knows that the Lord saves, and he does it in a personal way. The Lord has to be declared as the personal and loving God of Israel. The Philistines didn't know anything. Look at that word there in verse 47. The Philistines didn't know anything about that personal name, Jehovah, as he was declared in loving and kind and generous unto Israel. But they did. They did. The Jews did, right? Back in Exodus chapter 6. You know, so there's a twofold message. You know, when these guys get on, on TV and they're given like the State of the Union address, they're given layered messages. They're talking, they're talking to the people right in front of them. You know, those that, that uh, you know, they're in, in the, the, the Congress body there. They're talking to the, the American people, my fellow Americans on, on the TV. But they're also talking abroad, those that may be foreign, those that are either ally or, or adversary. There's, there's layers to those messages, you see. So David giving this address to that giant, you could say that it's similar to that type of thing. Those Jews could hear every word that David was saying. In Exodus chapter 6 and verse 1, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. I am Jehovah. I am the personal uh, existing one presenting myself to you in a loving and kind way. I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name Almighty God, El Shaddai. Genesis chapter 17. But my name Jehovah was not known to them. 
And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of the, the, their pilgrimage wherein they were strangers. And I, have also, and I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. You see the frailty here. You can see the parallel, the frailty of the, of the Jews in bondage and the frailty of the, of the Jews there in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore I say I unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stressed out arm and with a great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will bring you, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord, Jehovah, personal, the existing one, your God, not a God, your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you in unto the land concerning which I did swear to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give you, I will give you, I will give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord. You think those people on that hillside in 1 Samuel chapter 17, when David said, this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth. You think that rang some bells? It sure should have. It sure should have. You keep on reading. And as you see in Exodus chapter 14, they're, they're, they're going out with a high hand praising the Lord. And then they turn around. And they see the, the Egyptians in their chariots riding hard at them. And their hearts melted and they're afraid. And they cry out and say, oh, we'd be better to die in Egypt. In chapter 15, you keep reading chapter 14, the, the Red Sea crashes down on them. Read chapter 15, the Song of Moses, and they're just shouting and singing. And here come uh, Miriam and the daughters of Israel with their timbrels and all this kind of thing. They're shouting, the Lord has delivered. Don't you think something like that happened in the day where that giant fell? I believe it did. That the people of God, that assembly, knew that the Lord delivered. Not with big, strong might and the, and, and fl- the flesh of men, but by His power, He used some ruddy little boy with a sling and a rock to evidence these things. The Lord saveth, and He saveth not with sword and spear. He says in verse 47, this assembly, these Jews, these that call upon the name of the Lord shall know he saves. And he doesn't save with sword and spear. The battle is his. The battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands the technicalities and the the practicality of all this thing. It's the Lord's. The Lord wins the battle for his people. If you continue the line of thinking there in the Exodus, go back and look at how prone, look at how prone we are to sin. In Exodus chapter 6, we were just reading that. In verse 9, And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit. And for cruel bondage. They didn't believe it. The Lord said he'd deliver. They didn't believe it. You fast forward into Exodus chapter 15. Well, after all those ten plagues and the tenth being the Passover. And now they see that that great 
unfolding at the Red Sea. Oh, they sing these songs of how wonderful it is that the Lord hath delivered and he would be with them in their habitations in that, in that Canaan land. And immediately they thirst for water at the waters of Mara. How quickly and how sinfully we can regress and forget that the Lord, he is God in the camp. God help us. The battle is the Lord's. These repeated demonstrations in the word of God, we don't, we don't, we don't have to see such miracles. All the child of God by faith granted unto them by God Almighty. Just to read and believe the scriptures and know that the same God who demonstrated such things is still God today. By providence and in power, he saves, he delivers, and the battle is the Lord's. No matter what that battle is. I go through battles, you go through battles. My giants aren't your giants and your giants aren't my giants. But the battle is the Lord's. In Hebrews chapter 7, Hebrews chapter 7, and verse 25, remember that the Lord saves. And the assembly, the, the assembly of Israel was to know that the Lord saves. This local assembly made up of believers, baptized believers, is to know. That the Lord saves. Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost. That come unto God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. There's a song that is in one of these hymnals. Saved to the uttermost. Saved, saved by power divine. Saved to the uttermost. The Lord wins the battle for his people. Specifically, the battle was won at Calvary. Victory is won at Calvary. That's another song that we sing. Victory was won. By providence and in power, the battle is the Lord's, and he saves his people. He often does that using the foolishness of men, doesn't he? The foolishness of men. Paul said it. The foolishness of preaching. He said it to the Romans. He said it to the Corinthians. Throughout the Old Testament, we see very unlikely heroes, don't we? Foolishness of men God uses to demonstrate his power. There was one scene in, in the Word of God where this group of people, they were set in a, in, a, in a tower, and it was the foolishness of a woman just dropping something out of a window and hitting a guy in the head, and it ended the battle. That sounds like foolishness. But God's power was demonstrated. Foolishness. Foolishness of men. God's not foolish, but he did use the foolishness of David, a rock and a bit of a leather, to to evidence to his people that the Lord saved. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 52, the men of Israel... And of Judah arose and shouted and pursued. Again, you got a people that were challenged, intimidated, dismayed, afraid, weary, cowardice, incorrigible, and desired to be nothing more than spectators. And now you got what looks like a different kind of people, don't you? What happened? Again, 
They believed God. They believed God. You know, it's amazing what happens when the people of God simply just trust the Lord and do what he says. The men of Israel saw the power of God. Now, was there some kind of strange lightning bolt or something that was displayed in the sky? This is the power of God. No, but it was something that was so unbelievably amazing that it was undeniable to the people of Israel. How heartening it is, heartening for the people of God to trust the Lord. You see the encouragement of one young boy and how what impact he had on this entire this entire army of Israel and Judah, the 12 tribes. The people of Israel, they saw the power of God, but one man was used. One boy, one man was used to bring courage. And God did that, gave him grace to do that. So what is their response? They arose. This is not a unique thing. Turn, if you will, please, to the book of John, chapter 14. John, chapter 14. Now, what, you know, by some some folks would say, you know what, now, now, that, now, that, David has, so now that David has killed this giant, let's break out into small groups and, and dissect everything that there was to say about it and see, see, you know, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? Blah, blah, blah. John 14. They didn't have to do that. In John 14, verse 27. He says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, but I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, but trouble not your heart to be troubled. Don't be found over here challenged, intimidated, dismayed, terrified, weary, cowardice, incorrigible, and, and just a spectator on the sideline. Trouble not your heart to be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. That's victory. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. The Lord saveth. That's what the gospel is. Jesus Christ dying, being buried, risen again. Ascending unto the Father. Accepted, holy, and beloved. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it has come to pass, you might believe. Hereafter I will, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. But, he, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so do, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. So at the declaration of the wonderful work of God, he said it hasn't happened yet, but it's soon going to. My gospel shall come. Get up, arise. Even Christ taught that the learning without arising is useless. He couldn't sit in that upper room and just talk about his gospel and then everything be okay. Even in the gospel of Christ, it was necessary for him to arise. He couldn't stay where he was. But also, he says, arise, let us go hence. Because of the work and salvation that Jesus Christ brings, the people of God are likewise to arise and be obedient to the command. I'm not commanded to, to die and rise again. I can't do that. But I am commanded to rise and go hence, carrying his gospel, the glad tidings of salvation. The first response of understanding is doing, is arising. 
when the men of Israel, that assembly, knew that the Lord saved, what did they do? What's the first thing it says they did? They arose. They got up. Maybe it's so with us that we're not a people found sitting. You can know all kinds of stuff, but if if you know all that stuff sitting down, not doing anything, that knowledge is useless. Arise. What did they next do? They shouted. They lifted up their voice as in a battle cry. You ever been to a sporting event and then something just kind of, you know, spectacular happens and you can't help it? Your impulse is to do what? Stand up and scream. Has that ever happened to you all? Ah! Did you see that? You start swatting somebody. Well, they got up and they started screaming. Ah! They shouted. This was a cry of certain military victory. This was a cry of the triumph in the Lord. This was a cry of joy. This was a cry of great remembrance that the Lord is the God who saves. You know, you could put this again as you run that parallel through your mind. As those people saw the chariots and the horsemen flooded with the waters of the Red Sea, what would you have done? If not speechless, you would have just started screaming probably, you know. You wouldn't sit back and say, oh, yes, that's a wonderful thing. You know, let's talk about it and rehearse it in our in our meditations. No, you would have got up and screamed. That's what they did here in 1 Samuel 17. Now parallel that further to our own lives, to the, to the commission that Jesus Christ has given unto his assembly. He told them to go into every nation and do what? Preach, broadcast, shout the good news of the battle cry that there is victory and joy and triumph in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord that saves. That all the world may know that there is a God in Israel, that all the world may know that there is a God in heaven, but that his people would be saved and that his people would know that the Lord saves his people from their sins. What a shout! The army of God should have. What was also the response here? They arose. They shouted. And they pursued. With all confidence in the Lord, they chased their enemies, didn't they? All confidence in the Lord. They didn't have to think, well, you know what? Well, that was Goliath, and Goliath had four brothers, and then he's the son of the giant, so there's dad. And I don't know where they're going, but i got to pack for the trip, you know, and all these kind of things. No! They just ran after him. They just ran after him. That's what they, with all confidence in the Lord, they went. Now, you're not to chase your enemies with swords and spears and try to kill them. That's not what you're supposed to do, and I'm not advocating that. But I want you to hear this. If Romans chapter 5 is true, and I believe it is, that he bring that Christ, according to his gospel, saves his enemies. Wouldn't it also be true that there was a person and multiple people that broadcasted the gospel to me and pursued me? God didn't pursue me. He he gets his catch. You understand what I'm saying? But there were people with the gospel who pursued me with the shouts of the triumph of the gospel. 
They pursued me. In time, God saved me. He's not a weak God, and all those he intends on saving, he does save. But there were people that pursued me. There were people that pursued me with the shouts of triumph. And likewise, the children of God are to pursue the ungodly, knowing that Christ has won the victory, shouting those words of of triumph in his gospel, expecting that God would make the dead to live. They chased after their enemies and slew them. We are to chase after the enemies of God with tones and shouts of love that God would indeed make them to live. You see the parallel there. With all confidence in the Lord, not confidence in ourselves, not confidence in ourselves at all. I couldn't save my own self. How can I save somebody else? I can't make me live. How can I make you live? I can't, I can't take you to the presence of God. I couldn't get there myself. Christ died for me and rose again. Confidence in the Lord that he will save. Do you see how having confidence in the Lord gives them ability to chase after their enemies? If we don't have confidence in the Lord, we won't arise, we won't shout, and we won't pursue. If we don't have confidence in the Lord, when challenged, we'll be intimidated, dismayed, afraid, weary, cowardice, incorrigible, and spectators. We can easily gauge where our confidence is then by those two descriptions of this same group. It was the same group that we're talking about here, that army of Israel and Judah, the same group. How could we be described? If I'm trusting in myself, I will feel challenged, I will feel intimidated, I'll be dismayed, I'll I'll feel broken, I'll feel afraid, I'll be terrified. I'll be tired, I'll be a coward, I'll flee, I won't be able to be corrected or reformed, I'll be incorrigible, I'll be a spectator, I'll have so much a better time just sitting down somewhere and saying, oh yeah, don't you remember remember God's promises and being just content over on a hill somewhere. Oh, but when these people, when they were trusting in the Lord, when they saw the salvation of the Lord, the God that was made known unto their fathers, they arose, they shouted, and they pursued. Look, if you would, please, a couple of different places that would give us the same idea. In Jeremiah, book of Jeremiah, chapter 1. Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Oh, Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a child. What just happened there? Jeremiah, resting in his own self, he felt challenged, intimidated, dismayed, afraid, terrified. He was weary. He was a coward. He was incorrigible, even by the mouth of God. And he desired to sit back and do nothing, being a spectator, didn't he? But the Lord said unto me, the Lord, Jehovah said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. You'll get up, you'll rise, you'll shout, and you'll pursue Verses 17 through 19, same chapter. 
Thou therefore good up thy loins and arise and speak unto them all them that I, that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. Arise, shout, and pursue. Get up and speak to the people I'm sending you to. That's what they did in 1 Samuel 17. They got up, they shouted, and they pursued. Oh, that's all Old Testament. Book of Matthew. Chapter 28. The Lord was speaking to his, his, his assembly. And Jesus came, verse 18, and spake unto them, saying, All power, authority, and ability is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. You can't go without getting up. Can you? And teach all nations. Shout! Shout the triumph, shout the victory, shout the, shout the wonder of the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, pursuing all nations, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Teach them to get up, shout, and pursue. And lo, I am with you even unto the end of the age. Well, that, amen, he said. That looks to me like that's a, pervert, that's a continual command of the people of God and His assembly to arise, shout, and pursue. What keeps us from doing that? Well, what kept them in 1 Samuel 17? What kept them from doing it? They were focusing on themselves and their own lack of ability. What made the difference? They saw the Lord's ability and they trusted Him. That sounds amazingly simple, doesn't it? I've spent a lot of my time, again, speaking as a man, I've spent a lot of my, I have spent a lot of my life trusting myself. Don't deceive yourself. If you say you have and you lie and do not the truth, read 1 John chapter 1 sometime. Identify these obvious markers of trusting in self, and I'm speaking to a mirror right now. Uh, identify these obvious markers of trusting in self. Trusting in self, as clearly as we can see, is unprofitable. How profitable was it for the people of Israel to trust in themselves in 1 Samuel chapter 17? Trusting in the Lord is also easily identifiable, and it's also profitable. You know, if we didn't know if we didn't know anything about these people, but the, the, the account started the account started in verse forty four, we would think, Wow, this army is just legitimately on fire for the Lord. While we should recognize these markers of trusting in ourself, please don't and I, again I speak to a mirror here. Please don't lock your minds and your hearts and say, oh man, I've been such a failure, I've been such a failure, I've been such a failure. Focus on Christ not being a failure. And if not before now, this moment, this moment, arise, shout, and pursue. There's a phrase that I use every once in a while, that was then, this is now. If you were that old army of Israel, that was then, this is now. Arise, shout, and pursue. Arise to the obvious truth that the Lord saves. 
Shout the obvious cries of triumph, victory, and joy in the Lord Jesus Christ who saves. Pursue those who are enemies that the grace of God would prevail. Again, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. There you are. Let's read that. Romans chapter 5. Talk about pursuing of enemies. That's love. Romans chapter 5. Yes, it is God who saves his enemies. Read Romans chapter 10. How can they how how will they hear without a preacher? Right? It's the love of God that saves. It's the love of God demonstrated in men that broadcast the gospel. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So ungodly was I. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man one would even dare someone even dare to die. But God committed love toward us, uh, toward us that while we were yet sinners, aggravating against God in every possible way, a sinner. That's me. Christ died for us. Much more than now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him, deserving the wrath of God. That was me. For if when we were enemies, an enemy, that was me, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The Lord who saves. And not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who we have now received the atonement. Enemies. Pursuing those who are enemies. I'm so thankful to God that I was pursued by the people of God with the good, glad shouts of the gospel. Depending on God, it's God who saves. Is there room for improvement for all of us? Absolutely. Have you in your heart ever trusted in yourself and found you in such a way as that that former mode of Israel, cowarding, maybe for a long time, they were out there 40 days, trusting in our own selves, out there with their feelings hurt. Children of God, arise, shout, and pursue. Their battle day ended in verse 53. Look in verse 53 again. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. The battle was over. Their battle day ended one day. But just as much as Christ said he would continue to be with his assembly until the end of the age, that means the commission to arise, shout, and pursue will contend until the end, continue until the end of the age. That means in my own personal life, I am to arise, shout the gospel, the glad tidings of salvation, and pursue until my death or rapture, whatever comes first. Keep on keeping on. Don't be weary in well-doing. Arise, shout, and pursue. Lots of people arise but are going in the wrong direction. You ever seen anybody so busy that has got to be doing something and they go in the wrong direction? The entire religious world is doing that. They're up doing something. They don't know what they're doing, but they're doing something. Lots of people shout things, right? Even They might even shout things that are true. Where occasionally, even Satan quoted scripture. He shouted things that were true. But it was all mouth, all words, all talk, even deception mingled in there. 
Some people pursue, but they they pursue the wrong people. They got the wrong enemies. They got the wrong object. There was one man that he ran but didn't know what was going on. He ran, and when he got to King David, David said, what do you have to say? And he said, I don't know, but something happened. You see, the people of God are to do all three. They did all three. They saw the wonderful work of God. They arose, they shouted the victory, and pursued. In a current sense, we, have to, we, have, we must be doing all three and doing all three correctly. And I don't believe, I really don't believe that as religious as other groups are, that they're doing these things correctly. I don't. Again, just because they arose doesn't mean they're, they're going in the right direction. Again, you, you might remember two gates in Matthew chapter 7, and there's some false teachers that are leading. Those people are risen, man, and they're, they're walking straight down a wide gate, aren't they? They arose straight to the pits of hell. No word to arise, trusting in the Lord. When they shouted, they shouted the salvation of the Lord. When those people that shout salvation and the Lord plus baptism and works, or the Lord plus you know what you do, and and if you take one step, He'll take two, and the Lord will save you if you let Him, and all this kind of stuff. Those kind of shouts again will cause people to arise and go to the pits of judgment, and pursuing after those things likewise. No, to arise as commanded and commissioned by God to shout the glad news of salvation and to pursue by command and also out of joy, out of joy of Christ for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. The children of God for the joy that is set before us I to testify of those things. For joy we should shout and pursue. They went and spoiled. Look, they arose, they shouted and pursued. Again, verse 53, it says they spoiled their tents. Again, we're not to go in and loot and spoil people. But in a modern sense, in trusting the Lord and doing what he says, there is reward for that. You can read that in Revelation chapter 4. Crowns being cast for the glory of God. And we'll get into the crown series upcoming in our study of John's writings. But lots of people want to spoil, but they're not arising. They're not shouting, and they're not pursuing all by godly intent and by godly design. You can't just get up and do whatever you want. You can't just say whatever you want, and you can't pursue whatever you want and receive spoil, receive the reward. That goes for crowns. That goes for the bride. That goes for all those things. And, of course, the glory belongs unto the Lord. And I don't want to mislead there. But you can't just do whatever you want. What did they do? They arose, they shouted, and they pursued. And it was all in a very direct way trusting in the Lord, wasn't it? What are the people of God to do? Again, we read in Matthew chapter 28. We rise, to shout, and to pursue. For the glory of the Lord... But according to as he has so told us, whatsoever things I have commanded you. That's what Jesus Christ said. Children of God, I encourage you to rise, shout, and pursue. I believe that one can only fitly and rightly do those things in the modern New Testament sense 
in and through the Lord's assembly. Well, how do I become a member of the Lord's assembly? Profess, profess Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Submit yourself to baptism. Join the Lord's church. Sinner, you are pursued by men and women with the gospel. I, from the time I was born until I was 20 years old, again, September 8, 2001, people pursued me with the gospel. It was a time appointed unto my salvation. No one could save me, save God Almighty alone. That's the work of God. But there are people that pursue you with the gospel. They get up, they shout, they pursue you. It will either be under salvation by the power of God or under death and destruction. What happened when these people rose up, shouted, and pursued? These people died. Look at it. Look at verse 52. Until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron, and the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Sherem, even in the Gath, and under Ekron, and the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines. They died. They killed them. Just as David said in verse 46, the birds will eat your carcasses. That's what they did. The Lord arose. He shouted and pursued Israel in the mighty work. In verse 47, God arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines in the mighty work of that day in verses 52 and 53. You see, either way, either way, the work of God is performed unto death or unto life. One group, when they saw the works of God, they arose, they shouted, and they pursued. Another group, seeing the wonderful works of God, ran in terror unto death. It's an amazing display of what's, a, what's going to happen in the very near future. When every knee shall bow, Every knee shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yet some shall shout the voice of triumph throughout all the ages, while others are cast alive in the lake of fire. Sinner, how will it be with you? How will it be with you? I encourage you by the power of God to see and to know, not by the head, but by a converted heart that the Lord saveth. Repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.